Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Loxmo. I'm the small groups pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. So glad that y'all are with us this morning. I also want to welcome our North Campus uh, joining us today via video. Really glad uh, that you're with us today as well. You know, today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Um, it's a subject that is at the very heart of Christianity. Um, and when I look back on my life as a Christ follower, uh, this is an area where I can look and say that God has helped me uh, to grow the most. Uh, because there was a time when, in my life when I believed that there were some people who had done things that were so bad that there's no way they could be forgiven. Uh, I, I really believed that God's forgiveness sort of ended at a certain point. But God changed my life uh, through a true story that illustrated the biblical view on forgiveness. And I want to share that story with you uh, this morning. Corey Ten Boom was a Christian woman who lived in Holland during World War II. And when the Nazis took over the Netherlands, they began to hunt down the Jews and send them all to concentration camps. Now, Corey and her family were Christians, and they believed that God had called them to protect the Jews and to hide them so that they wouldn't be sent to the camps. And they did this at great risk to their family. And eventually, uh, the Nazis found out what they were doing, and Corey and her sister and their elderly father were sent to a concentration camp as a punishment for concealing Jews in their home. Uh, and actually, in the camp, her sister and her father died. Uh, now, Corey writes about this in her incredible book, The Hiding Place, uh, which was a, an international bestseller. It's a Christian classic. I highly recommend it. Um, but after the war was over and Corey had lived through it, she went around Europe speaking about reconciliation and forgiveness. You have to remember, this is like two years after Hitler died, okay? Like, grief was everywhere. Anger was everywhere. Forgiveness was nowhere. I mean, their forgiveness was not even on the radar. And one time, she was speaking to a small group of people in Germany about reconciliation and forgiveness. And she was speaking, and she kind of finished her little talk, and most of the people got up and left the room, but one man started walking toward her down the center aisle. And, and she describes him wearing a coat and a hat. And as he got closer, in her mind, she saw his clothes change from a coat and a hat into a military uniform with a skull and crossbones on it because she recognized that he had been one of the guards in the camp where her family died. And he walked right up to her and put out his hand and said, a fine speech, thank you so much how good it is to know that all of our sins are forgiven. And he stands there with his hand out, and he explains, I was a guard at the camp that you were in, and I have since become a Christ follower, and I know that God has forgiven me, but I would like you to forgive me. And Corey Ten Boom has just finished this talk on forgiveness, and she cannot bring herself to forgive this man. She can't. But she remembers that in the Bible, God commands us to forgive other people because he has forgiven us. And she remembers that it's a choice. It's a decision of the will to forgive people. It's not just based on a feeling. So in that moment, the guard, his hand is outstretched. She sits there waiting to put her hand up, and she just prays silently and says, God, I know I'm supposed to forgive this man. I don't feel like I can do it, but I can raise my hand. I can do that much but you're going to have to supply the feeling. And so she did. She raised her hand and she took this man's hand. And she describes a feeling of almost electricity 
going through her hand, and she took this man's hand, and she began to cry, and she forgave him. And she, she describes a healing warmth coming over her, uh, and she truly forgave him. So you have former prisoner forgiving, former guard. And Corey Ten Boom says that she's never felt God's presence and love so strongly as in that moment. You know, God used that story to change my life and teach me about forgiveness. Uh, that it is not a, just like a feeling that we have that we want to forgive people, but that it's a proactive choice that we make out of obedience to God, choosing to forgive other people because he's forgiven us. And that, that image of her choosing to put her hand out in spite of her feelings has just been forever etched in my mind as what the biblical view of forgiveness is. And look, we've all done things that require forgiveness, big things and small things. And we've all been in a position of needing to forgive somebody else for big things, small things. And it is so important for us to understand what biblical forgiveness looks like because if we don't, we will never fully understand God's love for us. We won't. There's a level of closeness with God we will never experience if we don't admit our need for forgiveness and if we are unwilling to forgive other people. Because as I said, Christianity has forgiveness at its heart. Now in this series, we've been looking at King David. And we've titled this series, uh, God's Imperfect Hero. But I gotta be honest, up till this point in the series, David seems kind of perfect, okay? Like, he's this young guy, he like loves God, he's so humble, God chooses him, and then he relies on God, and he like heroically defeats Goliath because he, like, he trusts in God. I mean, the guy seems pretty awesome at this point. He might be kind of like an unlikely hero, but he seems a little bit perfect at this stage. But today, we are gonna see the great King David at his worst moment. We're gonna see him going from a guy who doesn't seem like he would really need to be forgiven for anything to a guy who you could never imagine forgiving. And you're gonna have no doubt after today that David is God's imperfect hero. But you're also gonna have no doubt in God's love and his forgiveness. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. Let's find out. How can I adopt a biblical view of forgiveness? How can I adopt a biblical view of forgiveness? Well, your first fill-in, number one, is acknowledge that I will do things that require forgiveness. Acknowledge that I will do things that require forgiveness. So let's pick up the story on David. So last week we saw him uh, defeat Goliath, okay? He defeats Goliath and he becomes like a superstar. I mean, David is like a hero. People wrote songs about the guy, about how awesome he was. And eventually when he became king, like he was beloved by the people of Israel. I mean, this was like a golden age in the history of God's people. But all of those qualities that made him great, his humility, his reliance on God, all of that went out the window in one tragic decision. So let's read about it. 2 Samuel 11, 2 to 5. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? 
Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. Whoa. That sounds a little like TMZ, doesn't it, right there? I mean, like, that's in the Bible. <laughs> Look, this great king who was so humble, so moral, so reliant on God, in a moment of pride or weakness said, I can have whatever I want. I can have whoever I want. He saw something he wanted and he took it. But unfortunately, that is not the end of this story. Okay? You see, Bathsheba was married to a guy named Uriah. Uriah was out fighting on the front lines for Israel for King David at the time. David wants to cover up what has happened. So he sends a message to the front line and says, why don't you send Uriah back here to Jerusalem? So Uriah comes back to Jerusalem. And David kind of does this number. Hey, Uriah, how's it going? Man, you guys are doing great on the front lines. I'm really proud of you guys. You know, I'm just so proud of you. I wanted you to come home, kind of have a little R&R. Why don't you relax a little, put your feet up, spend a little time with Bathsheba? That's what he's trying to do. You see, he's trying to orchestrate an elaborate lie to cover up his adultery. And so he's trying to get Uriah to sleep with his wife Bathsheba so everyone will think the baby is his and no one will know what happened. So that's his plan. But you see, Uriah's like a really good guy. And he comes back and he's like, well, I'm not going to go home and relax and see my wife when my brothers are out there fighting on the front line. So he like sleeps on the ground somewhere. And David's like, oh my gosh, this isn't working. So he tries another tactic. He gets Uriah drunk. Maybe he'll sleep with his wife if he gets drunk. That doesn't work either. So David knows there's no way he's going to pull off this lie. So he sends Uriah back to the front with a letter to the general. And this is what happens, 2 Samuel eleven fourteen to 15. It says, in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, that's the general, and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. And he did. And Uriah was killed. And uh, David married Bathsheba, and uh, she gave birth to a son. And so in a matter of days, David has gone from celebrated man of God, hero of Israel, to an adulterer, liar, and now a murderer. Now look, this is a fairly extreme example, but if a great man of God is able to sin in such an extreme way, don't you think that you are capable of sinning and needing forgiveness on a daily basis for lots of things? Of course you are. We all are. We're all capable of doing things that require forgiveness. You know, maybe you just have said some careless things uh, recently um, to your family, and it's just, it's hurt them deeply. Uh, maybe you tend to just look out for yourself, and it's caused a lot of pain uh, for the people around you. Uh, maybe you tell lies as a habit, and that's caused a lot of damage um, in your life. Uh, maybe you sort of make your coworkers feel unappreciated, undervalued. Um, maybe you struggle with losing your temper with your kids, and it's becoming more and more frequent. Uh, maybe you're rude to the waitress or the waiter at restaurants when you go out to eat. 
Uh, maybe you neglect your relationship with God or uh, you just fail to make your spouse feel loved and appreciated. I mean, none of us are beyond the need for forgiveness. So the first step in adopting a biblical view of forgiveness is simply to acknowledge you will do things that require forgiveness. You have to accept that simple reality. You're not perfect and no one else is. And so you shouldn't be thrown by the fact that you have to apologize sometimes. You have to ask for forgiveness sometimes. That is where it starts, simply acknowledging that you will act in ways that require forgiveness. It's that simple. You've got to acknowledge that first. But what else can I do to adopt a biblical view of forgiveness? Number two, when I sin, admit it and ask for forgiveness. When I sin, admit it and ask for forgiveness. Now look, I know you're probably thinking that's easier said than done, okay? I get that. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's biblical. I'm not saying it's easy. You know, if you've had an affair or you've struggled with an addiction or you've just hurt people in your life, admitting you're wrong and asking for forgiveness could be the toughest, most significant thing you've ever done. I get that, okay? But David did it. He did it, and let's see how he did it. Um, first of all, let me just say this. We've been looking at David uh, through First and Second Samuel. Those are the stories kind of about him, but we actually have David's own words in the Bible about how he felt when all of this was going on. Um, the book of Psalms is a collection of ancient poetry and prayers and songs, uh, and many of them were written by David. And traditionally, um, Psalm 51 has been viewed as David's prayer to God after this incident with Bathsheba. Um, And many, many biblical scholars believe that to this day. And so in Psalm 51, we have David's own personal reflections on this situation. And I want you to notice how openly and honestly he admits his wrong and asks for forgiveness. Okay, look at it. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Did you notice that he asked for forgiveness four times? Four times. I want you to look back. I'm going to have you underline it, okay? Let's start at the beginning. Have mercy on me. Underline that. Have mercy on me. Oh God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, underline this, blot out my transgressions. Blot out my transgressions. Underline the very next phrase. Wash away all my iniquity. Wash away all my iniquity. And, underline this, cleanse me. Cleanse me. You see, David openly acknowledged that he sinned. And he asked God to forgive him and to make him pure and renew him. And and why did David have confidence that God would do that? That he would forgive him? Well, he knows God's character. He knows God. And look back at the passage one more time. There's a couple of things I want you to circle, okay? 
Have mercy on me, O God, according to your, circle this, unfailing love. According to your unfailing love. According to your, circle this, great compassion. Great compassion. Unfailing love. Great compassion. See, David knew God. Okay? He was that humble shepherd who loved God and followed God throughout his life. And he relied on God when times were great, and now he is relying on God when times are awful. He's running toward God. He's not running away, and he's reminding himself of God's character in his darkest hour, his love, his compassion, his grace. Look, maybe you are visiting church today for the first time, and the idea of a God who loves you is just a foreign concept. You can't even imagine it. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, but you've just allowed yourself to lose sight of that, that God loves you and that he knows you. And you've just sort of started thinking of him as someone who's unhappy with you all the time. Well, I'm here to tell you that God loves you. He loves you deeply. You are a precious child to him. And he doesn't just love you out of like a warm, sentimental feeling, okay? He backed up his love through actions, the Bible tells us. And that action was sending his son to earth to live a perfect life and die on the cross to pay the penalty for any sin we've ever committed or ever will commit. All of them paid for, done. Because he wanted there to be nothing preventing us from having a relationship with him. He loves us that much. And so God has made this offer of forgiveness to everybody. He has extended his love to all of you and you just have to reach back. Now, At the bottom of your message notes on the back side, there is a sample prayer to become a Christ follower. Um, I'm going to give you some time at the end of the message if you want to pray that prayer today and start your relationship with God, be forgiven, and be able to live the rest of your life knowing God and experiencing that unbelievable relationship that he allowed through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Look, David admitted his sin and asked for forgiveness. He knew who God was, and he appealed to God's love and his mercy in his darkest hour. And he found forgiveness there, and you can too. And because God has given you this such unbelievable gift of forgiveness, because we've been forgiven so much, this is your next fill-in, when others ask for forgiveness, give it to them. Give it to them. Now look, That's not easy either, okay? You know, in our culture that thrives on being outraged instead of extending forgiveness, and if you've been hurt very deeply by somebody, this is not easy. I get that. But it's so necessary because there is a level of relationship with God you will never experience if you are unwilling to forgive other people. Look how Jesus said it. He's very clear on this point. point. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. It's in your notes there. Jesus said, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is very clear on this point because he knows our willingness, our unwillingness to forgive other people puts a barrier between us and God and it puts a barrier between us and that other person. 
We allow the wrong that they have done to us to be perpetual in our lives. And that broken relationship stays that way forever. There is no healing without forgiveness. That's why it is so important. So when you don't feel like forgiving someone, remember how much God has forgiven you and allow that to drive you to forgive that other person, even if you don't feel like it. Like Corey Ten Boom just put out her hand, put out your hand and ask God to supply the feeling. That is the biblical approach. Forgiveness is at the heart of Christianity. There's one more piece of understanding biblical forgiveness and it's your next fill-in. God can restore me and use me in spite of my past mistakes. God can restore me and use me in spite of my past mistakes. Here's how the story of David and Bathsheba uh, comes to an end. Uh, The son that was conceived um, in their adultery ended up dying as a newborn. And so this was a period of unimaginable grief for David and Bathsheba. And even though David was confident in God's forgiveness, I mean, like we saw in the last point, I mean, he knew God was going to forgive him. He probably thought God would never use him again. Uh, He probably thought, you know, my days as a leader are over. You know, why would God still use me? I'm damaged. I'm broken. I'm done. You've probably felt that way before when you've sinned or hurt somebody you love. Why would God ever love me or use me? I've made too many mistakes. Look at my track record. I'm a lost cause. But that is not true. It's not. Just look at David. Did David mess up? Uh, Yeah, big time. He messed up big time. But did that mean that God didn't love him or that he couldn't be restored and used by God again? No, didn't mean that. God did restore him and used him in incredible ways, answering David's prayer of Psalm 51 to purify him and restore him and renew him. Look what happens next in David's story. It's in your notes, 2 Samuel 12, 24. It says, this is right after the death of their newborn. It says, then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and he went to her and lay with her She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. And I want you to underline this last little phrase. The Lord loved him. The Lord loved him. That little baby, Solomon. The Lord loved and blessed him. And Solomon became the most powerful king in the history of Israel. And one of the wisest men in the Bible. In fact, Solomon wrote a lot of the book of Proverbs. And so God seriously blessed David and Bathsheba through him. And so this incident with Bathsheba, it did not define David's legacy in spite of how horrible it was. God forgave him and restored him and used his line to do incredible things. David lived about a thousand years before Jesus was born. And in that 1,000 years, by the time Jesus was born, people looked back at David like he was an incredible man of God that he was a hero, and it was like a badge of honor to have descended from him. And that's a reflection of how much God had restored him and used him in spite of his sins. And I I wanna look at a passage just really quickly before we wrap up, and this will whet your appetite a little bit for next week's message. I wanna look at this passage from Luke. It's one that we typically read at Christmas. It's about when the angel Gabriel appears to the Virgin Mary and tells her that she is gonna miraculously conceive 
and she's going to give birth to the Son of God. Look what the, the angel says in Luke 1, 30 to 33. He says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And I want you to underline this next sentence. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. You see, people expected the Messiah to come from the line of David. I mean, incredible restoration for David after this huge mistake in his life. God forgave and restored David, his imperfect hero, and used him in his line to accomplish incredible things. So, no matter what you've done in your life, God's grace is there for you. He can forgive you, restore you, use you, put together what has been broken. That's what he does. And he can supernaturally enable you to forgive others in the same way. I want you to remember David, God's imperfect hero. And I want you to view the story of David and Bathsheba as ironclad evidence that there is no limit to God's love. There's no limit to his forgiveness and grace. And as we go into Thanksgiving this week, that is something to be thankful for. So go ahead and pull out your connection card. Let's take some next steps. How about this first one? I will admit it when I sin and ask God's forgiveness. Would you do that? I'll admit it when I sin and ask God's forgiveness. Would you follow David's example as we saw in Psalm 51? Just admit it and ask. Would you get in that habit? How about this next one? I will pray Psalm 51 when I know I've let God down. I've done that countless times. Psalm 51 is a great model for praying to God when you know you've sinned and you need forgiveness. Would you make that a practice? Check that next step. How about this next one? As an act of obedience, I will forgive someone this week whether or not they've asked me to. Would you make that choice to extend the same forgiveness to somebody else that God has extended to you? You've probably been thinking of somebody throughout this message. Would you do that? How about this next one? I will seek forgiveness this week from someone I've wronged. Maybe you've been thinking about somebody you need to apologize to and ask forgiveness for. Would you do that this week? How about this next one? I will not allow my past mistakes to prevent me from following God's leading. Check that box. Make that choice that you will not view yourself as disqualified because of your mistakes. Did you do that? And how about this last one? I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower. Uh, as I said at the bottom of your message notes, there's a prayer right there. God loves you, and he wants to start a relationship with you. I'm going to give you a few moments uh, here in a second to pray that prayer. But check the box, because if you do that, we're going to send you some information in the mail uh, that will help you in your new life following Christ. But here's what I want everybody in this room to do. To do. Everybody now, I want you to bow your heads. Everybody in this room, bow your heads. And I'm going to give you just a few moments to reflect on what God has taught you in this message, and especially about the next steps that you've taken. Um, ask him to help you to follow through and to make that change. And if you're going to pray the prayer to become a Christ follower, now's your chance to do that. So take a few moments right now.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us and your willingness to forgive us in spite of so many mistakes, so many hurts, so many wrongs. Lord, I pray that the truth of today that we have learned about your forgiveness would drive us to seek you out and to ask forgiveness when we need to and to forgive others, Lord. Help that be a defining feature of our lives, accepting your forgiveness and forgiving others. Lord, we just thank you for your unbelievable love for us, your unmatched grace, your mercy, your compassion, your unfailing love, and that we can't hide from it, Lord, that it is always there seeking us out. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen.